0: Why, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, PureAndSimpleBible.com. And I'm grateful to once again have the opportunity to have a Bible conversation. And you get to participate in that by listening and considering the Scriptures and be like the Bereans and search them to make sure the things that are said are true. Now, uh, we're in part three of a mini series with Brother Glenn Osborne called Who is Our God? And if you haven't listened to part one and two, please stop this episode, just put it on pause, go back, first subscribe if you haven't already, but then listen to part one and two and then come back and listen to this because you'll miss a whole lot of great stuff before we get into this third episode. So, uh, if you're ready then, Let's begin, shall we? Let's jump back into the podcast. Brother, one of my dearest friends um, is Wani Chan, and he's Mm -hmm. a preacher. He lives in Cambodia. And Wani's personal story is incredible, Um, just the way that he survived and um, thrived. So when he was a kid, he uh, was very poor, Um, for a time lived on the streets and during one of their festivals they had food i believe it was sticky rice um in it's in bamboo shoots but people would bring sticky rice to the um the pagoda or the temple mm-hmm. and they would leave just piles of this stuff for the buddha and the buddha has been dead for um nearly 2500 years i believe and so all of this food is going to go bad. And mm-hmm. Wani, who uh, I think he was you know, maybe nine or 10 years old, was so hungry that he stole one. And right. the, the monk of the temple, if I, if I can remember the story right, it's been a long time since I've heard this. But the, the monk of the temple saw him steal it and picked up a brick and threw it and hit Wani in the back of the head. And he still has the scar from that till this day. Uh, on the back of his head, where uh, this this brick cut him open, because he stole wow. some rice. And I share that just to say, you know, when I'm I'm able to see this image, and others could probably look up on Google, you know, image of some sort of a feast, you know, whether it's Hindu or or Buddhist or um, some faith Sikh, where people are are offering these food or just trays of foods to these idols. It's tragic uh, with the amount of poverty that's around them that they would give this to an unknown or rather to this idol and just let it go to waste instead of helping those around them. And that's a really that's a very real tangible example of of here. Two thousand years later, it's still going on. It wasn't just back then, but it happens today. Right. Well, tell me about. um, Verse 26. So in verse 24 and 25, Paul's made this uh this large point explaining God's nature uh, he doesn't need things and what a distinction that is from the false idols that Athens is familiar with it's full but up, in, in yeah. verse 26 and 27 um and 28 there's this this kind of a separate point being made about what God did he made us mm-hmm. right and so uh you have it kind of broken down in a few different points, but um, this idea that he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, et cetera, et cetera, what was Paul trying to teach the Athenians in that message?
1: Uh, well, I think he's trying to explain to those who would naturally then come to the question, well, if God is over everything and he doesn't need anything, then how do we relate to him? You know, in what ways do we relate to him? If he doesn't need us, then what what are we to do? And he he Paul begins to explain that God made man. Uh, he 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 made of every nation of uh, mankind to live uh, all over the earth, having to, uh, appointed their previous times and boundaries for their habitation. And if they would seek God, in other words, he 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 goes and he says, there is, there's a place for religion. It's not that it's, but it's not from your hands. It's not a physical, he's not a physical God served by physical temple, by physical food. It's, it's a spiritual God. He's over everything. And so he says to them that, and he wants, he got, God put it in their heart. He said, if they would seek God, if perhaps they may grope and find him though, he is not far from any of us. So Paul begins to explain to them the man's relationship with God. If it's not physical, then it must be spiritual. It must be seeking God. God made man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Genesis 2, 7. And he made a woman out of a man's rib. Genesis two twenty two. He made a man and he created us and he made us all the same. So he's teaching a universal God, once again, over all mankind, a God who could unify everybody and not just be a local deity. So he appointed all of these things. He, he sets down nations. He he brings them up. He, he destroys them. He enlarges it. Job 12, 23. He's in control of everything hmm. and all the boundaries of all people. So there's, In Daniel 4, verse 35, he says, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can resist his hand or say to him, what have you done? In other words, you can't make God accountable for for any of this. So he's, Mm -hmm. he's beginning to humble them and say, this God who is above everybody, above every nation, He's not far from any of us. He is a personal God. In Jeremiah 23, in verse 23, I am a God near at hand, says the Lord, not a God afar off. Can anyone hide himself in a secret place that I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? So, you know, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve found out they couldn't hide from God. And he's saying in today's realm, neither can we. I am a God, not afar off. I am a God who is near. so what a, what a what a juxtaposition right of
0: this all-knowing, all-seeing, uh omnipotent, you know, all-powerful God who says, uh, "I'm not far away from you." Right. I, I could only imagine what it must have been like to be an Athenian listening to this, because first, their gods weren't all-powerful. they they had limitations. And so the distinction is how much bigger God is than your little gods, but then how much closer God is than your little gods because their right. gods were about as far away as one could possibly be. They had to placate and, you know, well they
1: were definitely distant and not not personal right. at all. Right. Um, and so uh, that that where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Uh, Psalms one thirty nine. And uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: so, uh, and verse seven through 12. So the whole point is, is Paul is, 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 is explaining to them that the God, uh, which was unknown is a God who is not far from anyone. Uh, he is the one in him we live, move and have our very being. So uh, he began to, to come down and say, he's, he is right here right now. And so that was very different to them. <laughs>
0: Why, do you, why did Paul use their prophets' words? or I'm sorry, not prophets, poets. Um, uh-huh. Here he is proclaiming God, but then he's quoting Athenian poets? What's that about? Yeah.
1: Well, I think he's saying the truth is, is, you know, people have tried to ascertain it, and all he's doing, I think, is connecting and saying, we all knew this essential truth to be something that is right uh, even as some of your own poets said, we are his children. They, they knew that God made them. It was something outside of themselves. Uh, but they, Paul is just, I think, reconfirming the fact that we all kind of know this, but it, but it, this, 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 uh, enigmatic truth that just hangs out there is really a big deal, <laughs> you know? And so, He's saying, you guys kind of hint at this, but it's really the truth that, yeah. that we are his children and, and truly. And in verse 29, being children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and thought of men. So he's using this this thing that they had in the back of their heads and saying, uh, you're right. This This is an essential truth that idolatry is really not. Religion, mm. it's it's really something other than that.
0: So he's led us to this point. Um, beautiful sermon, right? There's right. this big point about God's nature, uh, what He needs and doesn't need, how He's greater than us yet nearer uh, than anyone could have, could hope or imagine, and now it's kind of like you're saying He's uh, bringing it even more into focus. Of uh, this comparison about his nature, um, it's verse twenty nine. Uh, mm-hmm. We ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Uh, you have a couple of verses here from John four and Isaiah forty. I think are really helpful. What do those verses say, and and what's Paul's message here to the Athenians? Ah. Oh.
1: Uh, yes, and John, he's answering, you know, he's teaching positive Christian doctrine here, and he just says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth, John 4, 23 and 24. And Isaiah 40 also, verse 18 through 31, God is not like man, and has neither the wants nor the needs we have. So God is spirit. And that is the nature of the true God. He's not an idol. He's not served by human hands. He doesn't need a house. He do, he's not these little bitty gods of all the little things that you interact with. He is a God above heaven and earth. He is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I think he's just destroying, if you will, the concept that idolatry is in any part really religious. Yeah. That God is spirit. And that's the point that needs to be made. The only way to connect through him is with your spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit or with spirit and truth. In the, in the Greek there, he's a, with our spirit, with in a spiritual way and in truth. So in John 24, 23 and 24, he's really insisting that they have a genuine, authentic, spiritual worship. This is how God is honored and telling them the nature of the true God and how we relate to Him. You know, uh, your study at this point
0: turns into a, a, a modern reflection. You're, you're asking us to reflect on the question, who is our God? Mm-hmm. And hopefully after the sermon in Acts 17, we're all able to ask ourselves that question and hopefully answer it honestly. Um, I'm going to ask one more question about the text itself it's not okay. in your notes so i'm going to put you on the spot okay but uh i'm curious about it it seems like the athenians up to this point you know nobody's interrupted him nobody's so they're they're kind of following uh his logic his reasoning and it seems that this is a reasonable piece of information that he's bringing the way paul ends it and their response It's really intriguing to me, and so I'm curious to have your thoughts on it. Uh, Verse 30 and 31 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And notice what happens next. Verse 32, Now when they all heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. And then some people do follow him, and they want to hear more about it. But it's interesting that it was the resurrection that caused some of the Athenians to mock. It wasn't that there was an all-powerful God. It wasn't that God didn't need worship. It wasn't that God made us all, and we're all you know, of one blood, and that God wasn't or is not from gold silver stone it was that god can raise the dead mm-hmm. what why is that point the stumbling block for the for the greeks um or foolishness rather for the greeks it's a stumbling block for the jews according to 1 corinthians but why is it foolishness and these other points what
1: why are they not foolishness well I, yeah that's a that's a no that's a good question i the the resurrection of Christ was astounding because all of these other uh, idols and either they were subject to, to human frailties and even death. Sometimes those gods were killed by other gods and and, uh, you know, they were very temporal and and man. But whenever man is challenged by a spiritual God and and it, we're inconnected connected to him, then we find these facts about man's nature. God made us of one flesh and. He made us spiritual creatures, as I think Paul is going to go ahead to explain to them. But the resurrection becomes paramount because it's the point where spirit and flesh meet. I, I think it's a point where the weakness of, of idolatrous uh, idolatry is just that dead's dead, and there, nobody comes back from that. And all the great teachers in history in the world, religions in the world, have leaders that have passed and maybe given some good advice on how to live or maybe given some advice on how to have peace in a world where you don't have much, uh, you know, how to have this peace of just being satisfied and different kinds of things. But Christ said, no, here's the deal. God is spirit, your spirit, you're made in his likeness. And whenever you die, even though you're subject to the fear of death all your life, Christ was come forth from the grave. Christ showed his power over the grave through resurrection. And that makes his message unique Mm. in the whole of human history. And the resurrection is a key point that makes Christianity different than everyone else in that he came forth from the grave. And, uh, that's, that's a significant point. And it, and it became in the book, in the scriptures, significant point. They said, we have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, Peter proclaims, and many others. Paul said, uh, you know, some of them are still alive in his letter to the Corinthians that that saw the resurrected Christ. So this resurrection was a point, and, there, and the reason why is because man is subject to all of these things all of our lives. We are subject to the fear of death, but Jesus came to us, give us a living hope that's passes death that goes into the grave and comes out the other side we have something to look forward to beyond the grave and that that makes christianity different than any other religion than Mm -hmm. every other religion Mm -hmm. and so that's why i think the resurrection was was so they found it so curious is because obviously this was something different
0: yeah well, thank you. Thank you. That wasn't in your notes, so you did that mm-hmm. off the cuff, and I, I give you a gold star for your answer. Um, I do want to ask the question that your study does ask, and that is, who is our God? And uh, you know, give you give you a chance to, you know, talk to our listeners based on what we've studied in Acts 17, and then circling it back to your introduction, where uh, you know in Psalm 50. Where it says, verse twenty-one, you thought you, that is humanity, thought that I, that is God, was like yourself, and how Acts seventeen has showed us the nature of God. What should we take away from this in the modern uh, the modern audience? What is, what is this question,
1: or how is how is it to be answered? Well, what, there is there is so much to say right here. <laughs> uh about why uh Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us uh and he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin about Jesus coming into this world is a is the entire subject of the book of John and and many other passages in the scriptures but God is, Jesus is just so different than any idol idolatry in all of its ways and whenever Paul began to preach about the resurrection of Christ, it was so different. And so then they were going to hear about the incarnation of, of God or God with us. And John tells us uh, God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld him. So Jesus' combination of coming to the earth as a spirit God, as a, as a God, and teaching us about spiritual things and about spiritual worship and spiritual life uh, he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin, and he had to he had to take flesh it, blood not blood of bulls and goats, but for this reason he's a mediator of a new covenant because uh because of his sinlessness his holiness in in a life as he lived his life and so that's that's why that this is so different is that paul it was going to have an opportunity through the fact of the resurrection to talk about everything man is powerless over. God is powerful over. He walked on water. He defied gravity. He, he, he can feed hunger. He can uh, do all of these wonderful things, heal illnesses, all these things that man were subject to. And even death, even death uh, was something that in Jesus Christ. He gives us the power to have a living hope for a resurrected life, uh, eternal. And so Christ is different. That's who our God is. He's a God who cares about us, who desires all men to be saved, who came, took flesh, as Colossians says, humbled himself to the point of death and was resurrected to show his power over the grave and give us a living hope and and something to look forward to the future. Our God is a wonderful God who loves us, who is not unaware of our plight of being human, but tells us to look at things above, not the things that are of this earth, who tells us to lay up treasures in heaven, not those things that are here on earth. And he is a, he is a God that is worthy. Uh, he is the God of everything. And so we have no insufficiency in Christ at all. He's a God who cares, who sent Jesus to die for us, and through his resurrection, furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. John 20 says, these things are written that you might believe and that believing you might have life in his name. John 20, verse 30 and 31. So these things were written so that we could believe and have have this eternal life uh, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. I appreciate that. I'm
0: looking forward to... in. The- the next phase of, of this for me is to, um, I re-listen to them and edit the podcast. Okay. And that, uh, final phrase, I'm really looking forward to just getting to soak it in one more time. I think it's easy. I, I'm a preacher. I, I'm around this every day, but it's still good for me just to sit and be reminded of who our God is and who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so thank you for, taking that moment to kind of lay it out that there's something very special, uniquely special about our risen savior, um, to any other worldview or faith out there. And so that was very special to get to hear.
1: Thank you. Right. Oh man. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me confess Christ because he, he is, it's amazing that our God combined, uh, became man so that he could take man and, and save him, his uh, save, save his spirit for e- eternal life. So that's wonderful. It is wonderful. What it is. Well, brother, we're
0: about wrapped up. Um, so thank I you. guess I will just say before we finish the recording, thank you for joining me, and I look forward to
1: the next time that we get the chance to talk about the Bible together. Well, me too. I thank you for having me, and most of all, I hope it it, it helps us understand the impact that Paul's sermon had here was was just sent a sent a, a reverberations throughout the world that this unknown god is now known and the resurrection was a point that was unfamiliar to any of the idols <laughs> I am very thankful
0: for brother Glenn and his willingness to have this conversation with me and have it recorded Uh, He has been on the program before, but it was a long, long time ago, and as we get ready to approach episode 200, I believe Glenn was uh, somewhere towards the beginning of my recording, you know, four or five years ago, so thank you, brother, and also a big shout-out to Stuart Crouch, who is Glenn's tech guy and got them all recorded up and ready to go and also is an evangelist of the gospel himself, so thank you, Stuart, for your help. Okay, until next week, you can come back to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com. You can look at all of the resources that are there for you to use and utilize absolutely free. And always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon.
1: Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story
0: that is true,
1: about a judge by the name of Gideon, he was a man like me and you, well, it's real.